Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 90 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones is here with me tonight. Good to see you, Peter. How are you, sir? You too. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So normally I get blamed because I come on here, which is great for an audio podcast, because normally my blue shirt accused of being wearing you switched it up Detroit Lions color so today for those that obviously nobody can see me I'm wearing which I guess would be Arizona Cardinals red it does look like Arizona Cardinals red <laughs> not Chiefs red well done I'm happy to see you thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs Rhonda and the folks at RM Management and thanks to Bob Anderson Builders I think we have around a thousand listens this season so far. So we're already up to 30 bucks for veterans outreach, not including the cuss jar, which we've been very light on. I have been very light on lately and I apologize for that. We just really need Packer games to start so I can get back into my regular season form of cussing. You can find us on Twitter, of course, at AVG cheese, but you know this, you can also go to www.avgcheese.com. Peter has done an amazing job on there. It's looking awesome. Don't go to Facebook, people. We're not there anymore. I'm not doing anything on Facebook. Peter, it is episode 90. We're running out of numbers. We're going to have to discuss yeah. what we're going to do. Maybe like we'll recycle because we didn't start this till like 50 or something, 50-something. So who is it? When I think of Packers number 90, I always see Ezra Johnson. So it has it has to be Ezra Johnson. Now the Packers Packers have had some other nineties, and I guess more recently, I guess BJ Raji would come to mind. For me, for me, it will always be Ezra Johnson. And, and I guess, like yourself, Dale, is that Packers team of the of the eighties that we remember well. We remember it fondly, despite the losses. Ezra Johnson, defensive end, was one of those, you know, one of the better players on that team. First round pick in nineteen seventy seven out of Morris Brown, which is a school in. Atlanta, which no longer has a football program. And yeah, starting right defensive end, won that job early and, you know, had a lot of sacks, you know, that sacks didn't become an official stat until to 82. And he had, I think, 55 and a half career sacks from 82 onwards, but uh, closer to 100 across his career, including in 1978, when he had an unofficial 20 and a half sacks. Holy which, monkey, I didn't realise it was that many. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously would be a Packers record if it was, had it happened after they were officially counted in, in 82. So, yeah, really outstanding pass rushing defensive end. Better in the 4-3, I think, you know, because he suited that right defensive end spot, a la kind of a Richard Dent type right defensive end pass rusher. And for many, for many Packers fans, will be best known for the hot dog incident. That was a preseason game, right? Where you it was. Yeah, preseason game in, in 1980. Caught on the sideline, eating a, eating a hot dog during the fourth quarter of a Packers preseason game, which they got blown out, completely blown out. Yeah, got fined by Bart Starr for 
who was then the head coach, as we know, got fined by, by Bart for, for eating that hot dog on the on the sideline, which also led to the resignation of the Packers defensive line coach, Fred Von Appen, for basically he thought Johnson should have got a more harsh penalty than the $1,000 fine that, that Bart Starr gave him. He resigned? Uh, five days after that game. Wow. Um, you know, he wanted, reportedly wanted... Johnson to be suspended for eating a hot dog and uh, <laughs> wasn't and uh, he, he resigned. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that that, that hot dog incident is what it comes to many people's minds when you, when you mention the name Ezra Johnson and a super pass rusher for the Packers from 77 to 87 and then played a couple of years with the, with the Colts and the Oilers at the, at the end of that. But, you know, it was part of that Packers defense in the, in the 80s, which, I think in retrospect was better than we kind of give it credit for. It's just that the offense, the defense of the special teams never got it all together in the same week, seemingly. Right. Those 80s teams, they'd have some yeah. great offensive games. And then a couple of things come to mind as you were talking about Ezra Johnson. One was that one game that I'll, I don't know why I'll never forget this, but it was that Tampa Bay game where they missed like 18 field goals that game, but they had like 500 yards of offense, but only scored 14 points. That goes to exactly what you just talked about. Yeah. Like the defense was good, right? You give up 14 points in a game. Yeah. You should win that game. And if you have 500 yards of offense and you only give up 14 points, you should win yeah. that game. That would be Tom Burney, right? Yes. And then I think yeah. Rich Wingle or somebody or one of the linebackers tried a field goal at the end because they're like, fuck you, Tom. Like, you're <laughs> you're out. <laughs> We're going to try anybody but you to kick. And he missed, of course. He missed that last field goal. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about Ezra Johnson eating that hot dog, it's a damn good thing that Forrest Gregg wasn't the head coach or he might have been murdered right there on the sideline. <laughs> Forrest Gregg would may have killed Ezra Johnson for eating a hot dog <laughs> during you a could, preseason game. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't think of kind of two more different personalities, at least on the outside, than Bart Starr and Forrest Gregg. Could you? Right. Let's get on to some slices. And we're not going to talk too much of this because I have beat up the Deshaun Watson thing and we haven't talked in a while. He got six games suspension. I think that's interesting. Whereas guys have gotten six games for PEDs and deflate gate was a couple games. I don't want to go too far into it other than I heard that the NFL is now walking back on that and there may be some other decisions coming down the road. Have you heard anything? Six game suspension was... Um, given by the independent arbiters appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA together. So that was something new in the last CBA. Both sides have the right of appeal. So the NFL, in essence, has the right. Well, they both do. But in this in this instance, it seems like the NFL is going to appeal. And, and they appeal to Roger Goodell. That's the way the process was written and agreed to by both sides in the, in the CBA. So I don't know where this is going to end up, but I think it's going to go on for going to go on for a little while. Now, I, I guess in the meantime that Deshaun Watson can play in the preseason games because okay. those wouldn't be part of a six-game suspension anyway. So in essence, it kind of feels like they've got the time of the preseason to get this sort one way or another, however, whatever the outcome is. And Deshaun Watson needs a preseason, regardless sure. of whether he's suspended for six games. If he's suspended for the entire year, then, then the preseason is going to be a waste of time and really it's going to be detrimental to the Browns because then they won't have a quarterback that's gotten a ton of snaps in games. 
that could be a problem. But he didn't play all last year. So he does, if he plays this year, he needs to play in those preseason games for sure. So that should be kind of interesting. We'll see how that goes. I'm sure we'll update it at some point. On a less serious note, four hours ago, Antonio Brown tweeted out one of the most bizarre. This man has CTE, right? Like, I feel like, yes, he's an interesting cat, but I think he's taking too many hits to the brain. I'm just going to read some of it because I think it's hilarious. My biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at a UPS driver. It definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the jet stadium. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me play a game live. Sure. I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what it's like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. That's awesome. He compared himself to the Beatles and Jesus. I didn't know that Jesus would perform at Red Rocks in Colorado, <laughs> but maybe he would. That's the first thing that came to my mind as you read that. Compared himself to Jesus making miracles on Sunday. Any thoughts on that? Other than it's great that he said it. See, I, ne- I never got to see me play either. No. But... <laughs> that, is, that is a travesty. <laughs> I read that earlier and had as few words then as I have now. It's just... He can't see nothing. himself play. None of us can see ourselves doing stuff as we do them, Antonio. On a football note, though, is Antonio Brown a Hall of Famer? He's close. He's close. I mean, I think that, so I think without all of the, whatever words you want, whatever words you want to use. Antics the, or whatever. I think, I think he'd be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, and the Hall of Fame instructs its voters not to take any of that stuff into account. But they're human now, beings. I, I, yeah, they're human beings. So I think that's extreme, it's extremely difficult. But I think he's, I think he's close. And I, and I think if you look at his numbers, and it's not all about numbers, but, but they do tell a story of how, where a player at any position compares to his peers in the era in which he played. And you can only compare players to the era in which they which they played. He was a dominant receiver for quite a number of years. And so I think he's I think he's close. He had six consecutive seasons with over a hundred catches. Now I know it's an era where guys are going to catch over a hundred balls. I get that. But that consistency is pretty amazing to do that over time. Yep. Yes, a guy will catch over 100 balls, but then he'll drop to 80 or whatever it is. He had two years in a row. He caught 129 balls in 2014 and 136 balls in 2015. Those are crazy numbers. He is, according to Pro Football Reference, he has the 24th most touchdowns ever. Like He is in the top 25 of almost every receiving category. For wide receiver. I have a hard time saying no to Antonio Brown. I worry for him if he cares about being in the Hall of Fame. I worry that his off the field stuff is going to push him out of the Hall of Fame. And I think he deserves to be in there, even though yeah, I think he's I, nuts. 
And I think the other thing is it's pretty much likely to depend on which other receivers he comes up against in inverted commas in the years, you know, in the year he's first eligible, for example. If there's two or three others, if there's a Larry Fitzgerald in there at the same time, then you know that five wide receivers aren't going in in any one year. So then, you know, if you're third in line in one year and you move to the next year, a bit like Leroy, what happened with Leroy Butler, who's finally got into the Hall of Fame, but he was sitting, rightly or wrongly, doesn't matter, sitting behind Steve Atwater and sitting behind John Lynch. And, and that kind of thing happens. Right. You get this kind of comparison going on. And so that may be a thing that holds him back. Because there's lots of those, there are lots of receivers with big numbers. Larry Fitzgerald is the name that always comes to my mind, particularly while I'm wearing this Arizona Cardinals colour T-shirt. <laughs> I think on the face of it, I think it was difficult to argue or difficult to make a case for him not being a Hall of Famer. On to more Tampa Bay news. This is very interesting to me. You know my feelings about Tom Brady. You know I'm not a huge fan of him. He is the most decorated and winningest quarterback of all time, and I think that's where it ends for me. Tom Brady is going on a family vacation during the preseason, not to return to camp until august 20th now today we are recording it is august 11th he is taking nine days off in the middle of the preseason i think it's great that he's going to be with his family don't get me wrong my point here is imagine if aaron Rodgers decided to leave camp for 10 days for any reason whatsoever he would go get to, blasted for that and go to peru you mean <laughs> Right. Get some hallucinogenic drinks. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think that there's certain players that that would where the headlines would be written differently. Well put. I kind of understand that, you know, he's not going to play in the preseason games anyway. And we'll get on to whether Rogers will or should. I totally agree. The headlines, the story would be different for, for Aaron Rodgers if it were if it were him. And maybe anybody else in the league, now that I say that out loud. Yeah. I don't think that anyone else would get a pass, including Mahomes, Allen. I just think it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. What if they start slowly? Then maybe Brady will take some heat for that, which they won't because he's still Tom Brady. And finally, on the slices, Marcy's son was kind enough to buy me a book. He bought me the NFL 100, Greatest Moments in NFL History. Very kind. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. I know you don't listen to the show, but I thank you anyway, publicly. So the thousands of people that listen to the show now th know that you're a good dude. So have you gone in and looked at, picked some at random? I did. The first thing I did was to see how many the Packers were involved in. They're involved in four. Now, one of them is that John Elway finally won a Super Bowl thing. So it's not like it's a Packer thing. Yeah. <laughs> this one's for John. Well, fuck you, John. Ruined my life for a couple of weeks when the Packers lost that Super Bowl. There's also something in the forward. So the forward is written by Troy Aikman, who I'm not a huge fan of as an announcer, but he basically said that he was the first game that he ever went to was Cardinals Packers right before he was about to be drafted. If the Packers would have lost that game, the Packers were going to draft Troy Aikman. That's what they told him. And he was thankful that he didn't go to Green Bay. He made up some bullshit, said he doesn't throw a wet ball very well, and he doesn't like the cold. But we know, Troy, you hate the Packers, you fuck knob. So we don't want to hear any of your BS excuses, even if they're in a book. And we are also glad you didn't come here because you didn't throw a very good ball, to be honest. 
he would have struggled in the cold weather. Plus, he wouldn't have had Irvin and and uh, all the talent that they had around him. They wouldn't have had that in Green Bay. Thanks, Nick. I oh, appreciate you. I mean, that's a that's a great story. That 88, 88 season. You know, Packers held that number one pick, then won the final two games of the season. They were two and two and screwed it up. What two at two and twelve, and won the final two games of the season with Mikowski at quarterback, and got to four and twelve, and ended up with Tony Mandridge, and- the one non-Hall of Famer from the first seven. So, so, so now I'm interested in what the other three Packers moments were that were in there. The Ice Bowl's got to be one of them. Of course. The Ice Bowl is one. Uh, the Brett Favre dad passing away game against Oakland. Vince Lombardi becoming the Packers. And again, the one that John Elway won. Super Bowl. That, even though See, he would, didn't do jack I, that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think that there, were, there are 100 Packer moments itself just to fill the whole book. Yeah. There certainly could be easily, easily. Ezra Johnson eating a hot dog. See that hasn't happened right. anywhere else. Is it? No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Oh, and I forgot this one. Former Badger James White retired today from the New England Patriots. James White, who should have been the Super Bowl MVP in that Super Bowl a couple of years, well, more than a couple of years ago, but absolutely should have been the MVP. And of course, they gave it to. That fool. Anyway, I think he might be the best NFL running back long term to come out of Wisconsin. We'll see. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's legit, like he's going to be a legitimate running back in this league. But I think James White has probably had the longest of all the Badger running backs that, you know, he's had the longest career and he wasn't drafted until I think like the fourth round or something like that by new england um, but there have been a lot of wisconsin running backs and they had like melvin gordon who i thought was going to be yeah. an absolute stud in the nfl really hasn't been so and and, and i guess I, I guess one of the things that james white gave the patriots that a lot of or a number of the badgers running backs really haven't is that versatility the ability to catch the ball coming out of the backfield you know um, white had 12 receptions i think in that super bowl that you're talking about i think he's had 12 receptions twice in the in the playoffs or in Super Bowls or whatever, um, so so I guess that you know you think of I don't know those Badgers backs, the Ron Danes of this world, mm-hmm. who who were excellent college backs, you know, superb college college backs, but didn't have that level of versatility. I guess that that White had. I think that's what it comes down to, right? For sure, is that they're not versatile. Brian Calhoun is the other running back uh, that I thought from Wisconsin. I thought would be very good. Drafted by the Lions, so that's you know, it's a strike against you. But he was also a versatile guy, but not big, not big enough. Now, James White isn't a big guy, but I think he's a little bit bigger and a little bit thicker. Brian Calhoun was a little bit slight as far as NFL running backs go. So Yeah, but you're also right about Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be interesting to see how his career pans out, plays out, because certainly got off to a very good start. Michael Bennett. Now they're all starting to flow back Michael into Bennett. my head. Yeah, yeah. Like Michael Bennett yeah. could have been that guy too, but he ran Eric Dickerson too straight up, took a beating. So good luck, James White. Weird to retire right now, but maybe I guess you know when you know, you know. It's time to go. It's time to go. Anyway, let's talk some Packers. It has been a little bit quiet in training camp news. There hasn't been a lot out there. What do you attribute to that? I mean, that too. Like, why? Why is there like, oh, this guy's showing out? I think there's been a big concentration on on Romeo Dubs, who's clearly 
is appears to be from what from what we can gather from sitting and reading reports appears to be the kind of star of Packers of Packers camp. That's not totally a surprise to me, and I, and I think we kind of talked about this after the draft that we actually thought there was a feeling that kind of rose that 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 Dubs actually would be better earlier than than Christian Watson. Now, of course, it's easy to say that, and of course, Watson's Watson's hurt, sure. and, and and I think that I think the Packers camp has been relatively quiet because I, I actually think there's lots of us almost more interested in the players that are injured, the players that are not there, We're trying to work out, you know, the David Bakhtiaris, is he, you know, he's on the pup list. Is he going to play it towards the end of the preseason? Is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Is he going to be ready at any point in the season? You know, so you're looking at Bakhtiari and then you're also thinking, well, Elton Jenkins, is he is he going to be ready at some point in the season? And then and Robert Tonyan and what on earth is Mason Crosby doing on the pup list? How injured is he? Mention Christian Watson again. The same thing. How injured is Christian Watson? When's he going to be ready? So I think there's as much interest in the guys that aren't there, who aren't able to be there, as there is in what's actually going on. There is a lot of interest. Now I've seen video of Elton Jenkins like running and doing things. <clears throat> I know we talked about this before, and I I shouldn't keep bringing it up, but he, I think he's farther along than Bakhtiari is in his. I mean. J- why isn't Bakhtiari doing the same drills then? If you got him on the side doing rehab, but he's not able to do like full running type stuff, I wonder, yeah, if Jenkins doesn't come back before Bakhtiari. Watson is a mystery. There has been really nothing said about what he's done or what's wrong with him. And if there was ever a time where you need a, rook- a rookie wide receiver to come in and be somebody, it's yep. now. So there has to be something real going on there. They're keeping him out. It can't just be some like he's got, you know, turf toe or something like that. It's got to be something. Yeah, yeah and, and and the worry about that is, you know, th- there's clearly something going on and, and and maybe he sits out the whole of the preseason and then and then if he stays on the pup list, he misses at least the first four weeks and then he spends the next two, three, however many weeks practicing. And before you know it, you're halfway through the season or even further and he's not played. You know, and that's and that's the kind of the worry about that. I get. I guess you just have to say it's a long career. You have to do the right thing with an injury, whatever it may be. And but I'm like you. It's 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 the mystery behind not knowing, give, being given really any indication as to what's going on there. And, and the same with Mason Crosby. It's like is this just a minor thing, and almost a procedural move to put them on the pup list, and they're going to be ready in a couple of weeks' time, or is this something that's going to roll on into the season and i think we just don't know i just don't know it's very strange and to your point to go back to your point i think there is something to be said for that because now they're trying to figure out the offensive line and we'll talk about that later and trying to figure out like what are we going to do at tight end so it's positions like that i mean when you have the two best linemen or two of the best linemen in the league not playing that's a concern tight end is there's a ton of depth there kicker you know while Crosby wasn't great last year he's been with the Packers forever and now you're looking at guys that are unproven so it's real consistent like all of those things lead to this is supposed to be a Super Bowl team we're not supposed to be but we're hoping it's a Super Bowl team but yet (laughs) there's a lot of pieces that aren't going to be in play possibly in week one my other thought on that was I think this defense is so good that they are not allowing for those splash long plays. And 
I, I think that the defense is better right now than the offense. And you usually see the video of somebody getting beat deep or someone getting beat on a great move or, or you know, I think that that's part of it too. And I, th- and I think that's true. And I think that the defense is, fur- is further along, if you like, because I think that at the key positions, everybody's back, right? And so that so the, all they've done, all they've done in inverted commas, is they've supplemented and brought in guys who are better than the guys that they're replacing. So you so you brought in the you know the first round uh, you know the first round draft picks and, and what have you who are, who are just lifting that level. It's going to be interesting in the preseason because you know you don't expect them to show much on defense. You know they're not going to give away this package or that package. They're going to keep it as bland as vanilla as as, as possible. But it's it's going to be interesting to see those guys that are you know maybe the third safety. You know is that Vernon Scott? You know is Who's that fourth corner? Who's Ty Summers in a, in a competition for a roster spot with? It's it's that that we're going to be looking at in the in the coming preseason. But I mean, if you look at the, the you know the inside linebackers, you look at Campbell and you look at, at Walker, Walker. You think you think those those are guys that with speed that can cover. So you know you you just kind of feel like can you bring in a sixth defensive back that's better on long passing downs than Quay Walker would be, for example, and pro- possibly not. Yeah, probably not, right? Because Savage being out or having the hamstring issue that he heard at the family night, they just signed a safety today. So they're yeah. clearly not happy with, I mean, they got, he could be a special teams guy. I don't know that. They are clearly not happy at the safety position. They are trying to figure out anything they can to make that work. And if you're bringing in, I mean, you got Douglas, you have Stokes, you have Jair Alexander. Those are your three, right? But then after that, like, is it Keyshawn Nixon who was hurt? He was yeah. look, you know, they said that he, they, people on Twitter, yeah. were saying he looked good, but he, he's like another Razul Douglas off the shit heap. Like he, he's from nowhere, you know. So do they have the depth to go to defensive back number six or seven? I'm not sure they do. And I'm not sure that safety number three or four is better. than. In, in fact, I will say now, not seeing Quay Walker ever play an NFL down, that no, safety number four is not better than Quay Walker in coverage. It's a great position to be in. And, and there's always going to be, you know, in this day of the salary cap, you can't have depth everywhere. And I think it's as much as how you cover up for not having that depth in certain spots that probably wins you games. It should be interesting defensively. I know that they're like most guys aren't going to play in this game. The defense is not going to play. It's going to be all guys fighting for a roster spot. Maybe you'll see TJ Slayton, maybe Jerron Reed, but probably not much. You know, it should be interesting to see what the defense and the offense looks like when they go out there. One thing we do know is that Jordan Love will be the quarterback. It's been all over that they Jordan Love has made a jump in year three. And to your credit, Peter, you are you knew it all along. Knew it all. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 see how he goes out on the field. But I, I but I um I think with some players for the reasons of circumstance, stuff takes time. You know, that's not to say as we've been through this a number of times, not to say he's going to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback or he's going to be the next worst quarterback that ever played. He's somewhere in the middle, and we just don't quite know where in the middle the middle that is. And and nobody will know. You can't judge a player on one start here and one start there or half a game here, half a game there. You know, Rogers missed that game last year due to COVID, 
and looked rusty the next week. And everybody would say, well, he's rusty because he's been out for a couple of weeks. Jordan Love hadn't played for two and a half years, the best part of, <laughs> or, or two years. That's a good point. When he played that Kansas City game. So everything has its perspective. I think it's just exciting. It's exciting to see how Jordan Love's going to do. He's going to play, you have to believe, 75% of the snaps across the preseason. You know, imagine that, that Danny Atling's going to get some snaps Friday night. But I would like to see Jordan Love play the majority of the of the game. And I think he needs to. I think he needs to get three good starts in and just get that playing time as much as anything else, get the speed of the game. And I know it's the preseason, but speed of the game and get more used to the guys that he's playing with. And, you know, because he has to be prepared. Even if he's not the Packers quarterback of the future, we don't know whether he is or not. He has to be prepared to come in and play if anything happens to Rodgers. And, you know, I'm not talking about Rodgers going down for the season. I'm talking about coming for a game here or a half there or a series here or a series there to keep, you know, the Packers ticking over and, and, and eke out a win and that and that kind of thing. So I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be just really interesting to see see how he plays. I, I don't expect it to be spectacular, but I'm just hoping that he plays a really solid preseason, you know, picks out the right receivers, doesn't throw lots of interceptions. I'm sure he won't makes the right calls, throws the ball away when he needs to, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, looks like an NFL quarterback. We don't yeah, need him yeah. to light the world on fire. But really, he's probably playing for a chance to play on another team. The Packers need him to play well, regardless of whether he plays for the Packers, right? Because you want him to have that Matt Hasselbeck, we can trade you for an actual decent pick. And we need to know if Rodgers goes down that you can still play the game of football and we're not going to take a huge drop off. There is zero reason. And I know Danny Etling will get snaps just because he has to, because you don't want Jordan Love to throw 45 passes in every preseason game. But if for some reason Rodgers were to go down and Love were to go down, Etling would have to come in for that game, but they're losing that game. And he won't be the starting quarterback the next week anyway. They'll go out and find anybody but Danny Etling to start that game. There's no chance that he starts a game in a Packer uniform for any reason. So I'm with you. Jordan Love should play into the third quarter for sure. Whether he's playing with guys that are going to be bagging groceries the next week or not, doesn't make any difference. Let him get out there throw the ball all over the place, throw it to guys who can't play. He's going to have to throw in a smaller window. So there's something to having to throw to guys that aren't that good. It will help him in his development. And he also needs to be able to throw under pressure. And if you got linemen that aren't going to make the team too, same thing. Like all these things point in the direction of Jordan love needs to develop. And this is the year that he needs to do it. And please let the man stay healthy through the entire preseason. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing is just to see how the wide receivers pan out. You know, has Sammy Watkins still got it? I, from what we're hearing from camp, it's quite positive. But you know, let's see him out. On, let's see him out on the on on the field. Let's see Lazard out there. Let's see Romeo Dubs out on the field. Can Dubs turn what he's doing in camp into preseason and then into the into the regular season? Juwan Winfrey's what's going on there? Malik Taylor, all of these guys that had a little bit of a, a chance previously, because there's a huge competition going on there at wide receiver, particularly if Christian Watson is injured going into the season. There's a spot opened up there that probably wouldn't have opened up, and so a Malik Taylor or a Juwan Winfrey or one of those guys is going to be battling for that spot. It would just be interesting to see how those guys go, because what we typically see in the preseason is that there's one guy 
that jumps out for whatever reason, whether it's a receiver who suddenly has 17 catches over the three preseason games when everybody else has about four or five because they're not in there that long, or there's a running back that suddenly bursts out of out of nowhere. There's always seems to be one guy, the third safety or the fifth safety or the sixth corner that you were talking about, has three interceptions for whatever reason or just seems to jump off the screen at you. So there's always one guy preseason that right now we might not think will make the team, but he's he gets in there because of what he does in preseason. So it would be interesting to see who that guy is. It'll be interesting to see how they handle Sammy Watkins in the preseason because we watched Devin Funches go out there. I don't want to say he lit the world on fire, but he was clearly a man amongst boys in those preseason games. Like he looked like a professional athlete where the rest of the guys look like guys who were probably not going to make the team. So does Sammy Watkins stay out there in the third quarter? And does he want to knowing that Devin Funches was out there in the third quarter and then just didn't need to make the roster. That's going to be very interesting. I've heard a lot of stuff on local radio reiterating because I know they listen to our podcast, what we've already said that Sammy Watkins is easily cuttable if he's not the guy. Now he's had some nice one-on-ones and shorts and things, but let's see what he does in the preseason because if he doesn't show out in the preseason, I think that he might be the guy that, no, I don't know how contracts work and probably should have ran this by you before I start running my mouth, but is he the guy that gets cut when Watson comes back? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how those roster bonuses work. I know, well, if he's on the roster on week one, he's going to get paid, right? So maybe he, maybe he's helped by Christian Watson being hurt in this case, and they'll cut somebody like, Juwan Winfrey or Malik Taylor or something like that. I think all of those things are interesting. If Watson comes back, if if Jenkins comes back after four or five weeks, if Bakhtiari comes back, it, it you know what the roster looks like on cut down day when they hit the final fifty three may not even be what the roster looks like by the time they get to the first regular season game. Never mind about the fourth or fifth regular season game. Yeah, right, there'll be some. There'll be some guys perhaps that, that make the 53 and then immediately go on to injured reserve so they can bring them back later on. So, you know, you can't make the assumption that, let's say they keep six wide receivers on roster cutdown day, that when Watson comes back, that he naturally comes back and another receiver gets cut or whatever. They might have, they might keep seven at that point in the season. Just depends on how on how things are going. And I think what the Packers do have, putting aside the injuries on the offensive line, is a whole bunch of offensive linemen that can play multiple positions, which may give them the ability not to have to carry as many offensive linemen as they normally would and gives you opens up a spot somewhere else. A lot of that will depend on the injuries. And speaking of the offensive line, the starting offensive line for the Green Bay Packers right now is Yash Nyman, a left tackle. Yash Nyman should be out there, left tackle. John Runyon is the le- is the left guard. Again, earn the right to be there. Josh Myers is the center. This is a huge surprise to me. Jake Hansen is going to start for the Green Bay Packers at right guard in this preseason game. Jake Hansen, who didn't make the team coming out of camp last year, is the starting right guard. And then you have Royce. I don't know. I thought he played tackle a bit in college. So, but Royce Newman is yep. the right tackle. There's your line. Thoughts on that? I think that from left to right, you get more surprised as 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 that, as that goes on. I mean, I think you're absolutely spot. You can understand 
Josh Diamond at left tackle and Runyon there. So that's that's obvious. And Myers at center, you can is is obvious with you know coming back from last year's injury. Um, and uh, my guess at this stage, that's pure guesswork, is that there's lots of question marks on the right hand side of the line, and I and I and I think they're going to take the opportunity to look at to look at those guys. I've seen talk of you know Zach Tom playing right tackle. Now I think that. You know, he played centre and left tackle at Wake at Wake Forest. I always felt, and we talked about this previously. I always felt that he, he although he was good at left tackle, always felt he was better at centre. And I still think that's his long term position. However, you know, it may be that that needs must, and he does end up slotting into into right tackle. And if he does a good job there, then that opens up other things. I kind of expected that Royce Newman would start. At right guard in in preseason, so I guess right now I think they're just seeing what they've got on the right on the right hand side of the line. You know, we expect Sean Ryan to play some, except Zach Tom to play some, and we might well see Zach Tom play multiple positions in each preseason game. You know, he that might would play be crazy. some snaps. Yeah, he might play some snaps at center. He might play some snaps at, at left tackle. He might play some snaps at at guard or at right tackle. In the same game, that wouldn't surprise me in in the least. I really thought that Royce Newman would be the right guard as well because I get that he has tackle experience and he's been in the league for a year, so maybe that's why Sean Ryan is not out there yeah. on the in the right tackle spot. I don't know. I did hear a sound bite, and I assume it was the offensive line coach that was talking about Zach Tom being a bit small, like light, like he isn't way enough. I think he weighed like what 306, 308, something like that coming out of college. And at center, that's fine. At yeah, right I'm, tackle, you might need to put 20 pounds on, 10 pounds on, but 306 might not be big enough to play tackle in this league. Yeah, and I and I've certainly that's one of the reasons I've certainly never seen him as a right as a right tackle. You know, you're kind of looking now at your right tackles being three. 25 330 yeah. 335 340 you can get away with it a little bit more at left tackle if you're athletic but you're still looking at those guys at 3 320 325 mm-hmm. um that's just a personal preference i i just thought zach tom played i played well at both the spots to be to be fair at center and at and at, and at left tackle i just thought he was even better at set at center than he was at left tackle that was just my my view and i just felt that that was his long-term position on this team particularly if Elton Jenkins' long-term position is at right tackle and Bakhtiari is back and playing and playing left tackle. If Josh Diamond's spot is left tackle, and I think you know it is, I thought he played very well last year at, uh, at left tackle in the seven or eight starts that, that he had. Um, so I feel, whilst obviously he'd love to have Bakhtiari back at that spot, I don't feel hugely uncomfortable with Josh Nyman, you know, going into week one as your starter at, at left tackle and left side of the line looks very solid, including the center spot. Is that all those question marks are on that, on that right side. And we'll see how that plays out. I think it's interesting that the Packers have had Rick Wagner and then Dennis Kelly as like this waiting in the wings in case someone gets hurt guy. They don't have that guy this year. They don't have that swing tackle. That's just waiting for someone to get hurt. In a year, they actually need it. Like, they need it yeah. more than the other years. So does that mean maybe the Packers watch cuts and they watch a veteran guy get cut and go, okay, 
Jenkins isn't going to be back till week six or Bakhtiari is not going to be back till week, whatever. Maybe they'll go out and sign a veteran, push Royce Newman back in at right guard and then play the veteran at tackle until someone's ready to take NFL snaps away from that guy. And I think that's a really good point. And I, and I think that when you get to those last roster cuts, I think that's the time to watch for that. I, th- I, I think that's, that's particularly if they get to that point and they've still not, I'm not quite sure who my starting right tackle is. And because I guess in an ideal world, Josh Nyman would be that, would be that swing tackle if, if D back was at left tackle and, and Jenkins at right. I think you're spot on. I, I think they're, they're going to be watching that waiver wire as we get closer and closer to the reg, to the regular season. And if one of those guys, a Dennis Kelly type, a Rick Wagner type, becomes available, it would be no shock at all to see the Packers pick up one of those guys. Is there anything in particular other than Jordan Love, the offensive line, the wide receivers we've talked about? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you're like, oh, I can't wait to see this? I, I guess we, we want to see Patrick Taylor and we want to see him play some good games in, in the preseason. I, I'm kind of expecting him to make the roster as the third running back. We like him. He's not going to play a lot come the regular season, but he, but he's there to do a, you know, um, do a job. I guess we'll be interested in in how special teams go as a, as a whole. You know, I was going to pick out other punter or whatever, but I think just special teams generally and to see whether there's anything we can see in the preseason. More about attitude, you know, the culture that we – we read that's being driven into the special teams units. I think that will be that will be interesting, interesting to see. Not making every special teams play an adventure. Not going through the bingo card of mis- <laughs> special teams <laughs> mistakes. That yeah. would be super fun. Isn't Patrick Taylor hurt right now? He was hurt for a bit. He must be back. I saw the Packers sign Dexter Williams. I feel like, and I told yeah. Todd this. I feel like Dexter Williams is just here for this first preseason game. To like, Quite, yeah, get through the game because you know Jones or Dylan are going to play. That's that's right, and you know Kylan Hill was on the on the pup list, so you know they just need some some numbers there. It's interesting though that it's Dexter Williams. It's it's interesting that that they didn't go and pick up a guy that they just let's just take a look at this guy or or, or that guy. It's interesting that it's that it's Dexter Williams, but there's a lot of questions I have there. Like, okay, he's familiar with the system, but you're not going to keep him on the roster for the regular season. So then that doesn't matter that Dexter Williams understands the system. Or maybe it does. Maybe they're afraid that, you know, Jordan Love's going to get killed back there and they want someone that can protect the quarterback. I, I, I don't know. If he makes the roster or even the practice squad, I would be absolutely stunned. The one thing that I, I'm ready to see is not the special teams, but the specifically the punter position and the kicker position. Like, I want to see it all. But if Crosby is hurt, that gives other guys a chance to kick. Let's see what they can do. Because while Mason Crosby, I believe, can mentally come back and he's shown that he can mentally come back from a bad year, can he put the ball through the end zone on kickoffs? Because that's important. When your special teams is bad, you got to be able to blast that football through the end zone once in a while. And I am not sure that he can do it at this age. Or do they keep another guy on the roster? Like you said, if we have a lot of offensive linemen that can play multiple positions, you don't need to have 10 of them. Do you keep two kickers on the roster? Or do you keep a second kicker 
can you can bring them up, right? There's that COVID thing where you yeah. can bring guys yeah. onto the roster at the last minute. Maybe you keep a kicker on the on the you know practice squad, and then he comes up. I don't know. I can't wait to see the new punter, and I can't wait to see who kicks and what they do. Hopefully, they score. Yeah, a lot. I agree. And also, the, you know, the punt returns. Now that you brought that up, you know, it's interesting to see that how how does Amari Rogers look this year? Is Romeo Dubs going to return punts? You know, there's those kind of kind of questions. You know, because that might be Amari Rogers' best chance of making an impact on this team. Or does he take a leap at wide receiver this this year? Was slightly disappointed. Is that the right word about yeah. his rookie about his rookie season? Guess that we had high hopes because he was a different type of receiver. You know, we, we'd always drafted these six four, two hundred and ten pound guys, and he was a different five nine, two hundred and ten pound guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, slightly disappointed with his with his rookie season, but people players progress at different speeds. We saw that with Devontae Adams. So I, I guess the hope is that he takes that he takes that leap both at receiver and and at punt return and 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 makes a significant impact for this for this team. And I think that's going to be an interesting watch in the preseason as well. Anything else before we go? I think that's about it. It's Packers football week. Yeah. So where are we now? It's Thursday night, so it's tomorrow night. Tomorrow yeah. Night, Packers in Packers against the 49ers. Let's see. Let's see how that goes, and we'll have plenty to talk about next week. I'm sure. Yes, we will. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 90 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Ezra Johnson edition. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.